big. Today's the beginning of the rest of your life. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. Don't be afraid to fail. There's an old IQ test was nine dots and you had to draw five lines with a pencil within these nine dots without lifting the pencil. The only way to do it is to go outside the box. Don't be afraid to think outside the box. Don't be afraid to fail big, to dream big. But remember, dreams without goals are just dreams and they ultimately fuel disappointment. So have dreams, but have goals. And understand that to achieve these goals, you must apply discipline and consistency. You have to work at it every day. You have to plan every day. Hard work works. What's up, everybody? This is Joshua T. Berglund. You are watching Gratitude Unfiltered on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Uh, before we get into the show intros and bring on two amazing, amazing guests, uh, we're going to read this today's devotional, but also want to thank you for being here. God bless you. Uh, we're going to have some fun today, and as always, it will be completely unpredictable. Uh, anyway, the mighty hand of God. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Throughout the ages, people have claimed to honor the making, the greatest discovery, that, I'm sorry, throughout the ages, people have claimed the honor of making the greatest discovery of all times. Looking back, we see the wheel, fire, the power of steam, followed by electricity, the telephone, radio, and television. Great leaps of progress have been made in the sphere of science mathematics, medicine, atomic, and nuclear power, and now we live in the age of the computer. While we should by no means disparage the wonders of these discoveries, it is essential not to overlook the omnipotence of God in this world of so-called human achievement. It would be worthwhile to take a little time to quietly ponder how mankind would have fared without the assistance of the Lord, just as he created people. He also provided them with the not he provided them with the knowledge and abilities. The expertise of scientists, engineers, and doctors did not appear out of nowhere, but it is the result of the God-given talent. In the same way, the omnipotence of God can destroy anything which make which man undertakes or abuses if it is against his holy will. Despite all the excitement over human achievement throughout the ages, we must never forget the mighty hand of God in all things. Holy Father, throughout the ages, your almighty hand protected and guided your flock. Thank you that we may experience your presence and omnipotence in everything. Praise God. Hallelujah. That was awesome. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, we're going to get the show started now and uh, bring on again just awesome humans.
Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're watching from around the world. Thank you so much for being here. This is Live Mana Ministries presents Gratitude Unfiltered. Thank you so much to everyone who's watching on the network, watching on social media, uh, watch or even downloading the podcast or listening on radio.com. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I'm so excited about, uh, I know one of our guests, but when she asked, she goes, well, can my sister come too? I'm like, you know what? There's got to be a really special reason for this because I know our, I know one of our guests. Uh, she actually, when I was searching and thinking that I was going to have a co-host for Gratitude Unfiltered a few years ago, um, she was somebody that came and co-hosted with me three times, and I had the best time. Like, she was the best co-host. She probably doesn't need, need to be a co-host. She probably just needs to be a host, but she is a mighty woman. Uh, very, very special woman, and she asked her sister to come on and uh, because their story goes together. And I thought, okay, well, this is going to be fun. So I don't know what to expect from this, but I do know that they are warriors, and uh, this is going to be really, really special. So it is a great honor for me to introduce to you Jessica and Katie Ray. What's up, Jessica and Katie Ray? How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? It's so good to see you guys. Uh, so blessed that you're here. And what's the, the beautiful baby's name here? We call this the bagel, but this is Isaac. <laughs> wait, did you say, wait, 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 wait. Did you say bagel? Yes. Okay. So Jessica is <laughs> Jessica's in the other room laughing because she's the only person I've known up until today that said bagel. It is the weird. <laughs> it's like saying flag instead of flag. Yeah, I call it a flag and a bagel. Okay. So wait a second, are you from Minnesota too? Originally Montana. Yeah. So oh, kind of the same thing. It's freaking cold there too. So, <laughs> well, Bagel, welcome to the show also. Uh, I think you muted your mic, Katie. Oh, okay, on purpose? Okay. I'll be <laughs> muting myself on and off so you're not listening to my baby scream. Oh, well, that's just part of the fun here. Uh, Jessica, yes. what are you grateful for today, my friend? What's that? I said, what are you grateful for today, my friend? Um, I am really grateful to be free. Katie and I have come through um, a lot of trauma, and God completely set us free. And so I'm just really, I'm just really grateful to be walking in freedom with him and learning how to just walk out the progression of freedom while you're in this cyclical healing through trauma. Boy, you just told my story in about 15 seconds. And you basically just shared the the the, the true experience of following Christ because that's what it is. Well yeah. done, Jessica. That was a beautiful, beautiful answer. Katie, what about you? Oh, man. There's so much to be grateful for, but probably just um, exactly what it is that God's called us to do with this healing. The fact that it wasn't just healed and whole and quiet about it. The fact that he's called us to share that message with so many others and, and call them into the same kind of freedom and healing. It's just been such an honor and a privilege. And I'm so grateful for that. So I don't know how you guys want to start this because, you know, Katie, I, I know I, when we first met and we started, you know, you were co-hosting, I got to know you a little bit and I, I saw your courage and I saw your strength and I saw the power in you. But I didn't know this story involved someone else that was right there with you. 
And but I so I don't know I don't even know where to start. So Jessica, well, you want to start telling the story and like what's what's gone on, like how you got to this point to where now you guys have made this bold stand to share your faith and how you've overcome all over the world? Um, yeah, so this was a really long process. It didn't just happen overnight. Um, Katie and I have both experienced childhood sexual, sexual abuse at the hands of our family members. Um, I experienced sexual abuse from my dad and um, that lasted for 10 years when I was a little girl. And the first time that I told anyone about it, like our parents manipulated me into silence. And the first time that I told anyone, I was 14. And it was my middle school pastor's wife at a summer camp, church camp. And when I told her, I asked her not to tell anyone because I was, I, um, was afraid of my parents and what would happen to me if they found out that I told someone. Um, the abuse happened when I was 10, and then I didn't tell anyone until I was 14. So there was four years there that I wasn't being it. Or the abuse ended when I was 10, is what I should say. Um, so there was four years there where I wasn't being abused, but I was still afraid to tell anyone. So it all came out. Um, and some really strategic, like God set up some massive strategy to happen in my life to break off um, foundational lies that I believed about adults, that they weren't trustworthy, that I couldn't trust anyone relationally um, by telling Patty Barkell, who was my, my, at the time, my middle school pastor's wife. Um, and we told her and then it all came out and the church helped like facilitate him like this whole thing, he got arrested, like in a six month period of time, my parents got separated, he got arrested, then the charges were pressed. So the the truth, the lies that were uncovered were like, I was in such denial that I'm like, oh, I'm healed. Like I had all the, like all these people walked with me through high school, teachers, counselors, like unending amount of adults flooded into my life to tell me the truth about relationship. And um, my sister-in-law, Jackie, one day we were at a conference here in Bozeman, Montana, and I didn't live here then. I do now. And she, she was like, I had gotten up on a stage to give a testimony about how free I was. Free. And I was so bound up, I didn't even know it. And she was kind enough to tell me, like, this is not going to be your story. I was so mad at her for saying that. And she's like, and it may take you 10 years to figure it out. So that was the weekend of my 18th yeah. birthday. I became an adult that weekend. Wait, hold on. Wait a second. I got so to stop you there because that statement, I, first of all, everything you've said so far, I, my story. Like this is, you're expressing this like for my journey, and I, I I totally I totally, your experience is not mine, but I can relate to what you're saying, and yeah. so when you um when you were told that like you're a new Christian, and you're told that this process is going to take years, like the one of the hardest things for Christians when they go 
Lord, I'm in. They do the raise your hand salvation, as I like to call it. And yeah. they do it, but they don't know the commitment to the work. They don't know that the spiritual high is going to wear off eventually. So right. typically at the first sign of rejection, that's the test of your commitment to your decision of serving the Lord. And right. when someone goes, well, you're always going to be a piece of crap. You're always going to be a junkie. You're always going to be this. Or they say, oh, well, you think <laughs> you think you're free, but no, it's going to take you about 10 years. As a new Christian, how did you respond to that? Because for me, if somebody would have said that, I would have been like, screw you, 10 years to get no. But yeah. you know what? that was probably the most honest words ever spoken that she said to you. Yeah. Well, for us, we weren't, um, we were born and raised Christians, um, but the adults in our lives abused us and manipulated us. So we didn't really yeah. know who God was. And so I had an, a, another adult cause my sister is, you know, my sister-in-law is like 10 years older than me telling me that this is not going to be my testimony. And so I had to make a choice if I was going to listen to her or if I was going to basically throw relationship with her away yeah. because I don't, because at the time I still didn't trust very many people. Well, yeah. How could so, you? Cause my, my skew of God was like totally screwed up because the man who was molesting me was also doing devotionals every morning. Yeah, that's got to be confusing. It was definitely like he was not a rep, a good representation of of like God, who God is, where God was, and how He was operating in my life. So, how does Katie factor into this? Was the same thing happening to you, Katie? So I love you, Jessica. I I never get over hearing your story of how God has just radically turned over brokenness and put it all back together in a way better way than it was when it first started. Jessica, we'll never tell if we're twins or not, but we'll let everybody wonder. <laughs> she is. Uh, the I wasn't even thinking that, but now it's like, yeah, she's yeah. the only of the two of us. Um, so. Yes, my, my, I was born after Jessica, but my abuse was very similar as that it was by the hand of a family member. I won't uncover who it was because um, that person is not, it's, they're, they're not a sum of the decisions that they made and they were very much in the thick of the abuse as I was. And there's a level of protection and honor that I'll hold over that person until the day I go to my grave. And uh, for me, I, um, I was very much in denial. We were born into a religious cult. My parents got married, they married into it. There was a heavy amount of physical, emotional, sexual abuse that took place in this cult. You've probably heard of Curly Thornton Ministries. It took place in Billings, Montana, and they had a massive stronghold of manipulation and physical control over the men and the women that were in this group. And our dad's desire to have this same level of control over other people 
um, manifested in our home and the control he wasn't able to receive in the cult because he wasn't let into what would have been considered the leadership ring yet. Yeah. He manifested that in our home and he took control in ways that pornography could no longer satisfy. And he had his first daughter and that's where Jessica came in. And as for my abuse, um, my dad essentially told a family member, it's totally fine that you're doing this to Katie as long as you don't touch Jessica. And that's where my abuse began. And Jessica and I were trying to timeline piece things together because when you go through this kind of trauma, there are a lot of black holes and repressed memories and things just get forgotten. And we're thinking it was around the age of four, um, maybe five when my abuse began. And mine went on for nearly 10 years as well. And I share this in my testimony that my sister is literally my hero because she put my abuse to put the brakes to my abuse. She got to a point where her abuse had ended and she knew she was powerful enough to say something. And she told my abuser it was done. It was over, no more. And that was the day that my abuse stopped. But I'm thinking back to something Jessica said where our representation of God was the man who sat in the big brown leather chair in the corner of the room doing his devos every single morning, reading his Bible, running Bible studies on the head of the church, a part of every piece of ministry in every church we were a part of. That was our representation of God. And same with the men who ran this leadership ring in the cults. That was our representation of God. And where we truly saw God come through was the days where God would whisper in the ears of people who said, this little girl looks lonely, invite her over for a slumber party. And those were weekends that we didn't get abused. And throughout our journey where we were just seeking healing and we were seeking wholeness and we heard God speak so loudly saying, you're not quite there yet. Keep going. There is freedom. There is healing. There is wholeness. You're just not quite there yet yet. And to come from what we've come from, the biggest two truths that had to be replanted after uprooting massive lie. The first one was that there was no healing on the other side of the kind of complex PTSD that Jessica and several of my siblings have experienced. Yeah. That was the first lie we had to uproot. And the second was that there was no way that our family could have intimacy and relationship with the kind of incest that we've experienced. Yeah. And again, we have shown therapists around the nation that were, they, they consider our family an enigma because of the kind of abuse that's happened in our family and all of us are intimate in relationship. Healing gets the final say. And when I tell you there is absolute restoration and freedom on the other side of the kind of abuse and trauma that we've experienced, and it's only because of God. Yes, therapy, top notch. That stuff did some work in me, but it was only Jesus that bridged the gap between the brokenness that was created by incest and the freedom on the other side where shame doesn't live here anymore. Amen. Man, that's powerful. So I want to get into, um, the, the, the being molested has this way, especially as a child that it, cause I, I've been there too, not in the same way that you guys experienced, but the mental effects that it, it, it puts on you, the trauma, the splits in your personality, like talk about the mental health aspect, or how about this, the mental health journey that you've gone on, Jessica, um, like I'm shocked that you would not been, and maybe you have, but like the diagnosis of DID or BPD, 
because of that level of trauma? Like, have, have you been diagnosed with anything psychologically that you've had to, you get to overcome or you have been delivered from also? I mean, I haven't been diagnosed with anything. <laughs> But um, <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh, but that's exactly what my response would be is just that. Okay. So um, in the past, my husband would testify that I was um, he would call me Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> that was yeah. like my nickname. Like, OK, some of you might be judging him for calling his wife Jekyll and Hyde, but I really was um, like I was nice one minute and then a psycho the next minute, like just I would be off the rails emotional and it's because I was getting triggered constantly. Yeah. Like I got married and I still did not have the level of healing that I do now when I got married almost 10 years ago. And Justin, that's my husband had to walk through so much with me. Like he ended up experiencing trauma because of me. Because he did not know or sign up for the level of um, trauma. He didn't know where I was at. And I didn't either. And so when we got married, I instantly was, it was a world, it was a whirlwind. I didn't believe anything he would say to me. It, it was like, he would tell me something and I would immediately think, you're lying to me. Yeah. And I was really insecure about myself and who I didn't know who I was. Um, I had all these ideas of what I was going to do in life. And that's where I felt like that's what I could control the direction yeah. to take in life. The one thing I can control is like what I do with my career. Yeah. And um, because I felt out of control in every other aspect of my life. Like there was a time when I wouldn't even share my food with my kids because I felt like I had given every piece of myself away throughout life. Like everything was taken from me, but you, the one thing you can't take is what's on my plate. Golly, all this is so familiar. What? Let me, okay. So powerful. Uh, oh my it, gosh. And so okay. relatable. Yeah, I'm really curious. I, I, I want to ask you questions about, like I now all of a sudden I want to focus on you and not Katie. And I know like, more <laughs> Katie too. I, cause I, I feel it's weird. Like when, have, let me ask you something. Do you tend to have a, I mean, women have really amazing intuition anyway. And the greatest yeah. crime a man can ever do is rob a woman of that. But let me ask you, do you have like supernatural now that you're, you know, you're walking in the light and you've, you've been restored. Um, do you feel like you have a supernatural sense of when you can, where you can see or feel people just like you? Um, absolutely. Yeah, that, is that, isn't that weird? It's really fun to be in a room surrounded by giants. I don't feel strange or like, I mean, when you when you know people have been through some stuff and they're on the other side, I'm like, hey, I see you. I know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that this is this is so cool that you're seeing it because so much of Gratitude Unfiltered is most of the people that watch have been sexually abused, but whether it was a family member or a friend or a neighbor or a stranger or people that have battled drug addiction or have prostituted themselves or have been killers and drug dealers. Like this is, this is who's listening right now. Yeah. yeah. And like every single one of them, like it, and I, the theme of this is that it doesn't matter what you've been through because all of that crap 
that you guys have gone through, God is using now for good. Yeah. It's not exclusive for you two or me. It's for everybody. Let me ask you something. This is maybe the most insane question I've ever asked, but are you grateful that you were molested? Is this for Katie or me? Uh, Both of you. I so, personally, oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I know. I say, um, I just completely, honestly, I am not grateful that I'm mol- that I was molested. Mm-hmm. But I know God in a way now because of the fight to get free yeah. that I might not have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm yeah. not. Everyone goes through pain. And everybody's pain looks different. And some people don't experience abuse at all. So they might not be able to like inside or even in their logical thinking, they're like, I can't relate with this at all. But everyone experiences disappointment. Everyone experiences like, well, that did not go the way I had planned at all. Um, You know, God has different plans than like everyone's just like make plans and see God like ruin all those plans. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, true. I know because of the fight that I had to do over the last, you know, 12 years to get to the place of freedom because of the choices I've had to make over a long span of time from when I got that prophetic word when I was 18 yeah. until I was 28, Figuring out, and and what happened was I learned how to truly forgive George, which is my biological dad. Because the the healing, see, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be able to give this message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets to carry an amount of authority at the point where they come to a place and they step into who God God has called them to be. Yeah. Amen. And And so from that freedom. And anybody can say me too. And anybody can relate in brokenness and abuse. But there, there is nothing that comes from that except re-traumatization, re-triggering, and then relapse into unhealthy coping mechanisms when everybody's just relating in their brokenness instead of saying, but there's freedom on the other side. There's healing. Right. Mm-hmm. There's right. When we can say, I've been here I'm here now. We're also pulling people out of that. We're pulling people out of the hole. So back to your conversation about mental, like what are the mental effects? I think every single person who's watching this would highly benefit from taking a trauma-informed care class and learning what the body response, trauma lives in the body, y'all. And so our bodies physically respond to trauma in exponential ways. But the most important thing you're going to be learning in a trauma-informed care class is what are the red flags? What are the aces? What are the signs? How can you see trauma in the people around you that you may not have even realized they have trauma? You're also probably going to learn that you have some repressed trauma you didn't see there in the first place. And the biggest thing is if you know you have trauma, the lights are going to turn on for you. Oh my gosh, that's why I say those things. That's why I respond that way. That's why I isolate in relationships. That's why I do ding, 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 ding. It's going to be so freeing for you when the lights turn on. I was diagnosed with complex PTSD and and dissociative disorder when I started going through EMDR. I dissociate so heavily when I'm triggered that an entire conversation can start from beginning to end and I have to be like, I'm sorry, What, what did you just say? And people will often think I'm ignoring them. 
been so willing to have a concrete answer in why mm -hmm. I dissociate so heavily. And then of course, how to address it, learning grounding mm -hmm. techniques, learning how to be more in response to my triggers and not spending so long in a cycle of these trauma related behaviors and these unhealthy coping mechanisms because I would get triggered and I'd be in an unhealthy coping mechanism for months. You know my story. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic for a decade. I just hit my 10 year clean a few months ago and that was 10 years of dissociating. That was 10 years of running from the brokenness that we had experienced. And finally I said, no more. I don't recognize this girl anymore. I don't want to be her. But the truth is you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. And God knew he was going to pluck me from that body and pour me into a new vessel. And those are the people you're seeing sit here today. Like God poured brand new wine into new wineskins. And we've had just the most amazing pleasure of being able to educate people because what we're doing is so beyond just sharing the testimony of God's freedom and healing. We're able to bring people into this educational portion that's like foundational and societal and then making real change in there as well. We're working on legislation. We're using our social media platforms oh, cool. and it's just been so neat. It's been and and furthering our healing journey because we're seeing people step into their healing because of it as well. So it's so and, and I love Jessica, going back to you really quick, I love what you said even at the very beginning and the theme of all of your messages, it was a journey and you thought you were delivered and you weren't. I went through that same thing. Like yeah. I thought getting saved delivered me completely. No, it's a journey. And like, so, and I learned that because of having relapses. I learned that because of getting triggered and switching and, you know, becoming a different person for a while and like, and it, it, I, I learned that. And then every time I went through a deliverance, I realized I had to do another one and another one and another one. Like I, 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 it was such a journey for me. And like, and I'll go, I'll have about six months where I'm like, wow, I haven't switched. Like I'm kind of feel pretty stable right now. And, and I think that I'm completely healed and something random will happen and I'll feel it switch yeah. or I'll feel that. They're just like, the, I call it my passenger. Like I'll feel my passenger's wings, like kind of tap me on the shoulder going, I'm still here. Even after it's been gone, like that stupid thing follows me around everywhere. It just doesn't take over anymore. But I, it is such a journey. And the thing that I've learned and it was the best advice I got. And it was from the secular world <clears throat> and it's helped me with switches. Now it still happens from time to time um, and working through it. But he said, every time one of those thoughts come on, the ones that can you can grab onto, like the one of those comforting, deceitful thoughts that the enemy loves to give, you know, the people that he abused, that he gave me like these, these, this like empowering statements to, that I can use, and I started making up my own about saying who I am in Christ and what God says about me, and I would say it out loud, like on instinct, to kind of retrain my neural pathways. And then through that, I learned how to breathe through certain things that used to trigger me to retrain my triggers. But as you spoke about the level of trauma that you experience, both of you, it's a journey. It doesn't just happen like that. It's not put some holy water on you and going, you're weird. Like, it doesn't happen that way. Right. Like, it's a process. It's a journey. But... The thing about it is, I really believe, and I want uh, both of you to, to, to speak on this, 
I really believe with all of my heart that God doesn't deliver us all at once. Like it's that journey and it keeps it a journey because he wants us to have that relationship and he wants us to have that dependence on him because throughout the journey, though that still having that thorn, maybe that's Paul's thorn, you know, maybe that's what it is. It's just a thorn that evolves and changes or it's deeper and you got to find a new thorn to get rid of it. I don't know, but it's along that journey that God is using that thorn to remind us of how much we do need him and we need to depend on him to do the work that he's called us to do because I don't believe the trauma that any of us experienced is by accident. I believe that we were chosen to experience that trauma to do the work that God's called us to do. Speak to that. So real quick, Jess, I'll share first on that thought. Um, we, God is such a good God that he gives us free will. And um, we talked about this a little bit on the very first podcast you invited me on where you asked, um, do you believe that everything happens for a reason? And I believe that everything, every action has a consequence. And because of man's free will, there are consequences of that. And, and my father made choices and his choices passed down. Sins of the father became sins of the son and his choices were consequences that we had to pay for. Now, that does not mean that's not redeemable. That does not mean that that's not overcomable. And we decided that we were breaking those generational curses with our family. And the sins of our father would not become the sins of our sons. And we broke that off with Jessica and I's generation. Now, as far as healing being a journey, it is absolutely not linear. And for anybody listening to this who thinks, man, I was just triggered watching this video. I must not truly be on my healing journey, lies, rebuking it in the name of Jesus, you absolutely <laughs> are on your healing journey. I want you to know there are triggers in healing. There are relapses right. back into your trauma-related behavior in healing. You right. absolutely can be healing and still experience a trigger. The truth is, what are you going to do about it? That's the question. What are you going to do with that moment when you're like, oh man, I'm triggered. What am I going to do? Am I going to turn to food? Am I going to turn to drugs? Am I going to turn to alcohol? Am I going to turn to these unhealthy coping mechanisms or am I going to turn to God? Like that's what he wants ultimately. When that trigger comes up, he wants you to turn to him and he wants you to work through your shit with him. But I promise you, it's okay. Your triggers do not disqualify your healing. That's right. They do not. Yeah. Wow. Hold on a second. Of the universe watching me now. Watching me now. This in the air everywhere. Lightning can strike anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. I needed to breathe for a second. <laughs> Kudos to my wife, the very talented Jessica Lynn. Okay. All right. So, 
let's talk about this. This question is probably the most uncomfortable one to ask. Okay, wait, wait. I want to answer that question oh. that you just asked. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I just feel like it's really important because I think a lot of people have a different perspective of who God is. Um, and I don't, I personally, I don't believe that God chooses certain people to get abused so that then they can have a, um, like a testimony to carry out freedom. Um, I think that that is because of the fall of man that abuse happens or neglect or any type of thing happens. And then it's what we can do. It's what we choose to do with it after that can bring God glory. Yes. Absolutely. And so that I just, um, that's just where I'm at with it. Like, that's what I believe is that I don't think it was God that chose me. Like he knew me when he knit me in my mother's womb. And like, he chose me for abuse so that I would have this grand testimony. I believe that George, our biological dad chose to sin. Yeah. He, there were several points in his life where he actually was walking in righteousness and he chose to go back. And we all know what it says in the scripture where it says, like, if you cast out the demons and then you let them back in, they'll come back in with seven more friends. Um, well, what happened with George is that there were several times where he, like, got delivered, but then let all of the demons back into his life and all the choices that he made that were relevant to all that like it all fell on me and so i think that because of his choices the sin fell on me and it's not just it's not i wasn't the only one in the wake of his of his choices but um yeah i just wanted to say that no and i uh, that's a fair point i just i've always looked at it like well if god knows knows the everything that's going to happen that he knew that I was going to be molested. Yeah. So, I, see, I, mean, I, don't, I actually don't, this is just a theological, like this is just a theological difference point of view. I actually, sure. that, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm not a biblical scholar. <laughs> yeah. I, I just believe that God, be, because if God knew everything that was going to happen, there would be no such thing as free will. We, okay. wouldn't, we wouldn't get it. We wouldn't have it. That's just, and that's just my belief is like, how could we have free will if God knew what was going to happen? Why wouldn't he intervene? And to, okay. to speak to that, I think there are so many probable outcomes that God knows could take place depending on the condition of the man's heart. Like my sister said, Fair my enough. dad had so many opportunities to make changes and because of the direction that he went this was the outcome well the outcome was our childhood abuse but mm -hmm. this is god's outcome the other side us healed and whole and free now if my dad had chosen to step away from the cult he chose to not let in the things that he did he chose to not abuse my sister or hand me over to abuse as well our stories could look very different but like jessica said there is a story God intended for us to have on the other side of this. I just don't believe he sure. planted us in it intentionally or chose us for this because what do we know about God? Like, what do we know about the sovereign, amazing dad that he really is? No good dad picks a child for abuse, right? That's why our dad wasn't a good dad. And so we know our, our, 
God is a dad of protection and love and he cares about his kids and he wants us to experience the joy that he has planned for us. And because we know that about him, we know he wouldn't handpick people for the hardships that this life offers. But because we live in a fallen world and the sin of man, we unfortunately experience the aftermath of that free will. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I, I appreciate that point. I, I really do. And, and, and it doesn't, this is really not even a thing of being right or wrong. I just, I do respect what you're saying a lot. about. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, I, I do, hold on, I got to say this part. I do disagree because I, like, I do believe there's some, each one of us are like, we have a set of born, a set of predetermined skills and what our gifting is going to be when we're born. Yeah. And gifts. Yeah. I agree are, with that. Hands down. Like, so I, that part of it makes me know that God knows that we're going to experience what we're going to experience. And because he doesn't have dominion on this earth, like we don't, we have the authority of the devil. This is the devil. We live in the devil's world down here. Um, like, I, I feel like God knows what's going to happen, but he gave us the, the spirit inside of us is what it allows us to overcome and shows how we're going to use it. And we get that choice. So, and again, it's, it doesn't matter about being right or not. I just, it's a different viewpoint. But the point is this, the one thing that we can agree on is that in Christ, the outcome is guaranteed and that is victory. Yeah. That in Christ, we are meant, we can overcome anything. We can overcome, it doesn't matter what pandemic is going on. It doesn't matter what trauma we've experienced. In Christ, we are victorious, period. Yeah. And yeah. all those dreams and visions we have of the life that we can live, that is God showing us what's possible in him. Yeah. That, that, that I know we agree on. So I want to ask you something, and this may be uncomfortable, but the reason, I have a very specific reason I'm asking it. You guys, the, the trauma that you were experiencing from family members um, and being molested, a lot of times people that are abused, whether physically or sexually as children, they go one of two ways. In other words, some of them, they recreate the situation that happened to him. That's how they cope. Or they go the complete opposite way. And that's how they cope. Because they're like, for instance, for me, I was scared of men. Like I was never comfortable, never trusted men. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do about that. So while I, I was skittish and ran away, and then when I, I started using drugs, all of a sudden the nightmares turned to fantasies. And then I went yeah. the opposite way and started recreating what had happened. It goes one extreme or the other, the way that statistics show in the field of psychiatry or psychology, whatever it may be. For you... How, how did you cope with what was happening? You don't have to go into specifics. I don't want to trigger. But how did you work through that? Because there's a lot of people here right now that reenacted what had happened to them in some way. And for that, now they can't forgive themselves. And the one thing, and this is I'm speaking to a very specific person I won't mention, but there's a person hanging on to something that can't forgive themselves because they didn't like they didn't like what had happened to them, but then they went and go, did that to other people. So they've forgiven all the people that hurt them, but now they can't forgive themselves because they have the guilt for doing the same thing that caused them so much pain. Yeah. So, can you guys speak to that? Yeah. 
Jess, I, I've got something on my heart I'd love to share. So I actually talk about this particular topic a lot on my TikTok. If you guys want to follow me and you have a need for the kind of healing and restoration that my channel brings, it's literally the same as this name spelling, Katie Ray, and I'm the girl with the pink hair. But I talk a lot about how it's a red flag that really needs to be noticed if you're a child who is recreating sexual touch it's because it's something that's happened to you and i did it to literally everybody i knew acquaintances friends family members anybody who came in my sphere of influence i recreated the exact same kind of touch that happened to me because i thought it was normal and i didn't know it wasn't normal until i had friends friends parents absolutely freaking out on me and i was like what the frick is going on? Because this is what normal touch for love, affection, and affirmation looks like in my home. Why doesn't yes. it look like that in yours? And it took us time to undo that lie, that stronghold that we were very much brainwashed inside of, that our family's just different and we just do things differently and it's okay, but we're not going to tell or touch anybody else because we don't want to get you guys in trouble or you know that was the point at which i realized what i was doing was wrong and i was no longer going to do it it was far before the age of accountability where i could have known myself but i became accountable the day someone actually told me so the the truth is you're not a predator you're not a bad person you're not a sum of the decisions that you made from your abuse there is a point at which you will have to be held accountable when you knew it was wrong and you still chose and you get to work through that between you and Jesus Amen. Um, there is freedom from that if if God can restore and redeem a sinner like me and I've done some filthy rotten stuff in my life he can re redeem someone like our dad our biological father and I know for a fact that he can, and he's going to use our dad for mighty, mighty works. So the thing that you're holding on to that you've struggled, it, mystery person, if you're listening, just know that it's okay to lay it at the feet of Jesus and just walk through some serious healing with him on that. Man, you so, said better than I could have ever. So I was just, overcoming shame is really an intense thing. Um, when you for me, I was trying to overcome shame of a porn addiction. Um, because when you've been severely sexual, sexually abused, um, for a lot of women who have been sexually abused, who then also end up watching pornography, um, for one, it's a control factor. Like I'm controlling this environment. Like no one can come into this place and harm me. And there's a lie that's planted that the only way that you can have an orgasm is if you visualize yourself being raped. Yeah. And um, not everyone who's ever been um, sexually abused struggles with that. But I read a book by Dan Allender and I thought I was the only one who ever experienced that and realized that that's actually quite common. And so um, I had to overcome some major shame with um, this porn addiction that I had. And the one of the ways that I overcame it was by asking God how he sees me. Oh, wow. Like how, how what do you see? What, what's the ministry? <laughs> like what, what's the truth about me? Like, yeah. and then I would just write it down. Even if like, Good. even if it's just one word answers, like I am loved, <laughs> I, am, I am forgiven. And in, in the word, it says that when we ask God for forgiveness, he throws 
our sins as far as the east is from the west. And if the east is from the west goes on for eternity, like we don't know how big space is. But God doesn't remember it anymore. And so how then can we be, be a greater judge than God in our own life? Yeah. So good. Dad, gum. You bring the fire, sister. You're so calm and unassuming. But everything that comes out of your mouth is just... Holy Spirit, man. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, indeed. That's, you know, that is... Um, you said something about um, about the believing that you ha like visualizing being raped. Yeah, that for me, one of the greatest struggles for me is that I couldn't have sex without. Well, I mean, it became a thing where I couldn't do drugs without wanting needing sex, and I couldn't have sex without needing drugs. But a lot of it had to do with the scenario that would play in my mind over and over and over and over and over again. Like that was the thing that I had to go back to. And there was a safe scenario that my mind had imagined up or imagined that it needed to be able to feel safe in having sex. Yeah. What a freaking lie that yeah. is from the enemy because it ruined it, it's, I mean, to this day, and I've shared pretty openly on the show, like it's, um, it's a wrestling match with me to have a healthy relationship with sex. If, being married does not help my healthy attitude with sex. Like right. I'm madly in love and I'm committed for the first time in my life and I'm happy and like I have my best friend and I have a family and like it's all wonderful. Yeah. The devil still likes to try to make me believe that I need things a certain way to make it a certain way and for it to feel safe and for it to be normal. And it's like all a lie, but it's been a real struggle. And I know, and I'm so glad that you said that because sexual abuse victims, again, this is why I start ask that question is because sexual abuse victims hang on to these lies yeah. that it has to be a certain way for it to be normal for them. And yeah. they've convinced themselves of that and prevented themselves from growing and experiencing the kind of love that God wants us to experience as his children. Yeah. yeah. God, so then, you said that. So then people ask, like, well, can I ever be free? Like, is this it for me? Is this what I'm always going to experience? Yeah. And let me tell you something. Tell it. Two years ago, when I was on my 28th birthday, this was the 10th anniversary of the prophetic word when I, when I was 18. God said, do you want to know how I see George? George is my biological dad. Mm -hmm. And um, I swear it, God, I'm just going to be really candid with you guys. Mm -hmm. Like He loves me still. I have to apologize later. We have a great relationship, even though it might be a little toxic on my end. Um, it's just like, and he's just a dad that's like, it's okay. You'll quit throwing a fit in a minute. I'll just wait like I always do. And um, so, of course, I told him no with swear words, lots of swear words, and like had my conniption, like, and a little bit of a panic attack. Like, why would I ever want to know how you see George? Like, you see him like I do, don't you? And so, anyways, because <laughs> I just wanted him to die already because that was 
That was the only way I would ever be free of him is the day that he died. Yeah. And um, I used to like fantasize about him being buried in the ground. Like if he ever died, I would have to stay and watch them bury his body so that I knew it was over and I was finally safe. And um, God, God's like, do you, so he waited a couple minutes while I was going through all this. And he said, do you want to know how I see George? And like, it just got dead silent. And I'm like, okay, how do you see him? And so then I saw a picture of my grandma's house. They lived there their whole life. And there was this little four-year-old riding in a tricycle on the front lawn. And he looked almost identical to my son, but I could tell that he wasn't my son. And I like all of a sudden my heart like burst open and God said, he wasn't always a child molester. He uh. wasn't always a predator, but because of childhood circumstances and an early introduction to pornography, that is the road that took him into what he, that is it. And so he explained to me the why. So many of us who have, who have experienced sexual abuse ask why, why did you do this to me? Why did you do this to me? Why me? Why didn't you pick someone else? Like, why did you, am I allowed to swear on here? Why did you screw up my life? Like, why did you steal my innocence? That's, that is the, the thing I used to ask all the time. Like you stole my childhood from me. Like, why did you do that? You were supposed to protect me. Why didn't you protect me? You were supposed to be the first example of what a husband is supposed to look like. Like, why didn't you, why didn't you show me the way? Like I was so lost and, and God showed me why. And then he said, and then he said, and he's not beyond redemption. Praise the um, Lord. Um, wow. that, that screwed with me so hard because if George is not beyond redemption, then who can't be beyond redemption? Because he was the most evil person I have ever known. He is the one that has stolen so much from me that I could not get back. Like my childhood is a big black hole. I still don't have very many memories from my childhood, oh my which, God. you know, praise Jesus because there was a lot of abuse. And so I don't need to be remembering all that, but the yeah so out of that out of that i i literally like a forgiveness came over me like i had never experienced when i saw george the way god saw him yeah and i realized that god could save him and that he doesn't need to die for me to be safe <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my husband and I started coming together in a way we never have because I didn't feel like I wasn't safe in any relationship. So something that people experience with sexual abuse is they never feel safe naked. Like I never felt safe naked. Yeah. And um, I used to hide from my husband when I was getting dressed and time went on and I quit doing that. And then when we would have sex, like I just, I just could not stop but I always felt shame because after, like, after we would have our time together, I would struggle with when we would come to a point of orgasm, I would envision myself being raped because I was so, I was so, trauma was in, that was in my brain. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I would be free of it. 
I didn't ever think that there was a way to get free of them. And so after I forgave George, and I knew the truth, and the truth completely set me free in ways I never thought were possible. Amen. What happened to me in my marriage was that I started having sex with my husband and didn't have to envision myself being raped. Like God just like completely set me free of that. And I started feeling comfortable naked in his arms. Like I didn't feel like I had to shield my soul because even though I was laying next to him and I was trying really hard to pretend like everything was okay, I was freaking out on the inside. Like I just am so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I, then, I know other people relate to this too. This is, this is real stuff. Yes. And of course, like Justin's like, are you okay? Cause you know, he can sense things. We've been together for a long time. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, look, it's such a day in the clouds. And blah, 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 blah. Like change the subject really fast because you can't let them in. Because what if I told him how I was really feeling and then he crushed it because he didn't care. What if he doesn't actually care about the trauma? Yeah. Wow. So enough rejection for a lifetime. We can't have any more of that. So then I felt so alone because I was so scared to actually let him in to see what was like the like this Grand Canyon of pain in my life. And I can't let him get down in the waters because if he gets down there and he said, "This is this is really not a problem at all." Like, no, you don't understand. Like, there's a reason why it's so deep. There's a reason why it goes down so deep. Yeah. And um, I remember the first day I let him in, it was after I forgave George and I was stressing out about something. I don't know. I was doing my daughter's hair and I had a look on my face and he said, are you okay? And instead of saying, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I actually told him like, no, I'm, I'm stressed out about this. And he's like, it's going to be okay. And, and, and I got you. I can help you with that. And all of a sudden, just like that, the lie broke off my life that Justin would, that it wouldn't be a problem, like that it would not, like he wouldn't care about me. Yeah. And so I started, it was practice. I worked for like two solid years that every time I had a problem and he was like, are you okay? It, and it was a practice. I'm telling you, everything inside of me still, like I still struggle with this. I am not perfect by any means. Um, but when he's like, are you okay? I, I practice. It's like a muscle, dude. When you get out of practice, it atrophies. Yeah. <laughs> are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm not okay. And this is what's going on. Letting him in to my weakness is, is terrifying still. But he is my protector. Like he is one of the protectors in my life. And God's like, I gave this man to you and he's not going to hurt you. Oh, praise God. That is, you're speaking the dream and fantasy of everyone that's come from broken relationships. Yeah. And I say fantasy because it is a, to have a healthy relationship is a fantasy when you're all screwed up and <laughs> hurting and broken and angry and PTSD'd and traumatized. Like, yeah, the illusion, I used to look at my mom and stepfather's relationship, still do, and go, Wow, that is like, how? How do you have a relationship yeah. like that? It's, it, it was, you, you go, you heal. You get yeah. to have a relationship like that when you do the work and heal. Yeah. You're proof. 
Like, I'm so happy that you're here because you're basically reaffirming everything I say every time I brought do this broadcast. <laughs> I love it. 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 It's yeah. this is every everyone, men, women, you all need to hear it because men go through sexual abuse too. And just yeah. because they're big, burly, strong men doesn't mean they don't get screwed up in the head when bad things happen to them as kids. It has right. an effect. But at some point as an adult, you got to make the decision that I can't keep blaming other people for my pain. Right. I got to accept some responsibility in the course of my life. And that is I'm going to choose to heal. I'm going to choose to do the work. And I've tried everything, laser therapy, EMDR, psychotherapy. I've done all the medications. The only thing that has healed me, and it's a process. It is a truly, truly process. I'm not saying I'm 100% healed. I'm not going to ever say that. Well, I may be, hopefully at some point I'll get to say that. But it's a journey. But God is healing me every single day. And yeah. the more I pursue him, the more I seek a relationship to understand what who is Jesus and what is my relationship to be and who is God and what what is it that I'm here for? The more I seek those answers, the more I seek to understand who Jesus is for to me, for me, through me, all of it, the more I heal. Yeah. It, it, it's nothing else, but I can honestly, God say it. It's the only, only thing that's doing anything of any good in the healing process of my life is is my relationship with Jesus and what happens through that relationship with Jesus. Same. Wow. <laughs> Ladies, you freaking rock. I, I, I could talk to you for hours because I love, I, I, I love everything about this. I had no idea where this was going to go. I didn't know about the incest. I didn't know any of that. But I just knew that we had to have this conversation. And I am beyond grateful for both of you for being so vulnerable and so powerful, so inspiring. And honestly, delivering probably the most powerful message of healing that has ever happened on this show. I, I'm so grateful for both of you. Um, I want to give both of you the floor uh, one last time, and we'll close it out. But, Katie, we'll start with you. Do you, you can plug anything you want, say anything you want. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for having us. We're just we're grateful every time God says, go and speak, because we know that lives are getting changed when we do through God's message, and we know that there are people who need to hear what it's like to – be bound up in bitterness and brokenness and unforgiveness. And when God says move and we say, we'll go, we know that there are people whose lives are getting changed. And so we're just grateful for the platform to tell our story. Um, it's really his story. And the fact that he put such a burning in our heart to help other people experience the same kind of freedom. It's very exciting. And we're just really grateful to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you, Jessica. If you're listening and um, you think that you're too far gone and you're too far beyond repair, there's nothing that could save you at this point. That's not true. That's not true. God loves you so much. And he, he brought you here right now on purpose. Yeah. You heard all of these things on purpose. Wow. I wish you guys would take over the show. Grace unfiltered. 
<laughs> I I have a I have a show on TV for you guys if you guys want it. <laughs> yeah, you are. Look, <laughs> you are the definition of grace unfiltered. I both of you. So just pray about it. I'll, I already have it. I, I have the social media pages for it and everything. If you guys want it, we can talk about it. Um, you're a gift. You're a blessing. I I I, <laughs> I just adore both of you, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Um, Thank you. And I mean what I say, please pray about Grace Unfiltered because I think you guys would be perfect for it and I would love to give it to you. So anyway, thank you for being here. God bless you guys and see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I do hope they say they want to do Grace Unfiltered. All right, you guys, uh, that was amazing. Please share that. I don't care what you've been through in your life. I mean I, I mean, I care, but hold on, let me finish the sentence. I don't care what you've been through in your life. Like, that message applies to so many different aspects. You don't, you, not, whether you're molested, abused, cheated on, lied to, didn't get the job, didn't get the promotion, that whole message, forgiveness, grace, redemption, healing, that was amazing. I, I just... I got nothing else. I, I don't, I, God bless you. I, if again, if whether you watch late or just jumped on, uh, please watch the whole thing. They were incredible. Um, I just, I, 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 I pray and wish for favor all over them because they are true world changers. They are gods. I, I, I look at people like that and go, they're God's chosen. What they've been through, no one should go through, but yet they're out on the other side of it talking about what Jesus has done in their life. Praise God. This, that is an example. Why my faith is so bold, why my faith is, and I'm not perfect by any means. Like I, like I shared on someone's show last night, like I still want to bite people's faces off. Praise Jesus anyway. Like not, they, they are, gosh, I just, they, that, to me, that's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus is. You want you want to know why I love Jesus? You want to know why I gave my life to the Lord? Why I I, I you know I'm so bold about my faith? It, their story is it. That's what Jesus does for people. Jesus is not some religious bullcrap. Put you in a cage and have no life. Jesus in Jesus, it's the most rock star life there is. It's the most awesome. It's the most freeing. It's the most joyful. It's the only life to live because I've lived the other lives. I wouldn't trade my life today for anything. And it's because of Jesus. And they are the perfect testimony to that. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, God bless you. And we will see you tomorrow for Society of Kingdom Minds, actually, at 2 p.m. Central. God bless. Bye-bye.